0: You know how sometimes in job interviews they'll ask you what you think your greatest weakness is? Which is a terrible, ineffective question, by the way. See, on paper, it's a good idea to ask. You want to see if the person you're talking to is self-aware enough to know what they're bad at. You want to see if they're honest enough to tell you. And you want to see if they're capable of self-improvement. It's a question designed to judge a person's sincerity. But the reason it doesn't work is because now... Everyone knows this question is going to come up, and they're afraid of it because they don't understand why the interviewer is asking it. And so they practice beforehand, they memorize their answer, they take lessons on how to spin their weakness as a positive. And then you get a rehearsed, coached, planned answer just like all the other answers, which is exactly the opposite of what you were looking for. Anyway, I have an answer for that question now. My greatest weakness is that sometimes I start things with extremely high expectations. I expect perfection immediately, and when I'm not amazing at something right from the start, when everything doesn't meet those expectations right out the gate, I get burnt out real fast. And that's kind of what happened here. That's why this show hasn't updated in a year. My name is Marty Schneider. I'm still your underemployed employment specialist, and this is an all-new reboot edition of Why Won't You Hire Me, the show about sharing stories of unemployment and career transitions. Yes, I'm back to doing this. And before I begin, I owe some people some apologies and some thank yous. First, I apologize to all of you for dropping the ball on this. This was a project I was doing for myself, and it turns out that it meant something to people. I also got an opportunity to professionally produce a show very similar to this one, and anyone who's ever monetized their hobby knows that once you do that, you can't bring your priority back to the unpaid stuff. I also owe an apology to the guest from this episode, Sherry Meeks Graham. I recorded this interview back in February, and she's been patiently waiting on it ever since. So this episode is extremely, extremely backlogged, and she deserved better than that. I'm sorry, Sherry. And now some thank yous. I want to send a big thank you to my sister, Mickey. She was the one who convinced me to come back and do this again, who told me how much it mattered to have someone sharing these stories. And I owe a thank you to all of you for coming back and listening again after all this time. Or, if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you. Finally, a thank you to the team at Indy Hall in beautiful Old City, Philadelphia, for providing me the resources, tools, and network that I need to produce not only this show, but also my other show, Breaking Mayberry, which explores the messages of classic television. Quick update on me. Right now, I'm working in two roles. I work as an independent HR specialist, helping small businesses take care of their human resource needs. And I work as a career coach, helping people who are going through career transitions, helping them get back to work. And this reboot is for them too. I want to make a show that people can listen to and know that they're not alone, that their feelings and frustrations with this system are valid and shared by other people. That's what this show is for. Okay, so I've given you the self-awareness and the honesty. Now it's time for the self-improvement part. I'm going to try to hold myself more accountable for this show from here on out. Last time I told myself that my goal was one episode a month, and I think I let myself get too lax on that already very vague deadline. This time I'm going to try to put out episodes on a more regular two to three week basis, alternating editing duties with my other show. Also, last time I did this, I tried to maintain a flat, professional, NPR, LinkedIn thought leader tone, because I thought that's what would impress people. Instead, it just felt cheesy and fake, and it wasn't fun to do. So this time around, I'm going to be more honest, using my real voice, and I'm going to allow myself to get frustrated and sometimes angry and be wrong about things and just sound more real, because that's what listeners deserve. And speaking of things being real, that brings me to our guest today, Sherry Meeks Graham. When I recorded this interview way back in February, Sherry was in the midst of a career transition. She had already taken a new job and she felt able to speak a little more freely about her previous work situation. Her story will likely resonate with some of you, it definitely did for me, when she talks about working with bosses that take your ideas and pass them off as their own. She talks about employer insecurity, the fear that your employer has that you're going to become more valuable than they are. This is pretty common, unfortunately. The main reason that people quit jobs is because of a bad relationship with their boss. And employer insecurity is one of the key factors that leads to a bad relationship. There's a line in the Dolly Parton song 9 to 5 that I kept thinking about when Sherry was speaking, where Dolly sings about her boss, They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Well, Sherry didn't let it. She somehow remained sane and managed to come out the other side ready to tell the tale. And you will too. Here's Sherry. All right, my guest today is Sherry Meeks Graham, and I'm very happy to have you on here, Sherry, because this is a first for the show. We, normally, we talk about the employment process. Our show is called Why Won't You Hire Me? But you, as of today, you, you are no longer looking or on the market. You received a job offer today. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, but before this, you were a project program coordinator at a very large research university in North Carolina. Uh, which I guess puts you at an, like an assistant level position towards, well, what what is the academic equivalent of like a CEO level or a C-suite?
1: Uh, I would say it's more like a director or either in an academic environment, you could even consider faculty depending on the structure of the department, the head.
0: Okay. And so you were working very close alongside them in like an almost an assistant role? Is uh, what you were as a program coordinator. That's how you described it to me earlier. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it's a, yes, that's correct. It falls under administration. So it encompasses many roles. Um, and as you know, there could be various titles for administrators, uh, executive assistant, staff assistant, program coordinator. So what we primarily do in the department that I'm currently working in now is that we uh, support faculty and staff of that department.
0: And so as of today, you have a brand new job offer in front of you, still another uh, program coordinator role. Uh, Can you tell me what's different? What's uh, interesting about this one?
1: This one is in a corporate environment. It is a dynamic organization dealing with a lot of onboarding of employees. So that would be what I would be doing with the new role. And what makes it so different is the culture of that organization. Um, very, very professional, geared towards more global view. And so that's pretty much what made it so attractive to me, is that they're not so compartmentalized like a university is.
0: So when we spoke a little while ago, uh, you'd been looking for work for about two months. You said that you uh, were kind of almost underemployed or unhappy in your current position, and you kind of shifted over. Can you tell me what your job hunt process looked like for the past couple of months until you found this position?
1: Well, initially, um, the draw to this university and academic environment was that it was more stable environment. And the reason why I say that is because I think the job market had had been, and I guess we're on an upswing now, but had been very volatile in terms of tenure, especially for me. Um, I had taken on several temporary or contract positions and wanted to find greater stability. However, going into this, you know, into this academic environment, I said, you know what, if for whatever reason I don't like the position, it doesn't resonate with me or, you know, the, the cultural environment is just too much of a difference, I could always move to another department because the university was big enough for me to do that and still be under the same employment umbrella.
0: Did it work out like that?
1: It not really. Um, okay. What I find, what I found out, having worked there for almost a year now, is that it's like a little city within itself, and they have a whole culture, cultural environment that's of their own. It's 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 very unique. It's very distinct. They title it their way, and if you don't embrace their way, you just don't fit in coming from a corporate environment, and having that professional background. Um, I even dressed professionally would get, you know, heckled at because I come in there dressed professionally instead of with jeans and tennis shoes on every day. And I'm like, this is what's in my closet. It just was such a different uh, work environment that was, it it was just incredibly different. It, It wasn't working out for me. It hasn't been working out for me.
0: And so you were coming from – you mentioned that you had a couple of like contract roles, and these were uh, at like companies like DuPont. It's a huge difference between that corporate and that academic environment. I'm surprised to hear there being more relaxation in the university. I guess relaxation is the right word, but more of a uh, – Definitely more laid back. A, a looser culture at this university. Right. That's very interesting to me. So do you think – was that a huge factor for you while you were looking – for a couple of months uh was that like top of your list when you prioritized if I take a new job it must be blank.
1: Yes, and I I look for that because that's my my comfort zone. I'm used to working for top-notch organizations, C-level executives in that, you know, that kind of environment. And I find working at a university you have a younger population of workers generally coming out of college and, you know, their first jobs are actually at the university where they may have attended. And just the whole cultural environment has a less than professional feel for me.
0: Okay. And I'm not
1: sure if, if that's, can you know, other people have experienced that coming from corporate America into the academic world, but that's just been my experience.
0: It's it's real interesting to hear you talk about that because I've spoken to numerous people who have done the opposite, who have shifted from academia into private sector and they've struggled with adapting to that you're actually the first person i think i've talked to that did the reverse and uh obviously didn't didn't work out but it prompted you onto a new position uh and so let's talk about the search so uh you were looking for about two or three months before you received your job offer today is that about right
1: i'd say about three months yeah
0: what were you applying to? What kinds of roles? What kind of companies, organizations?
1: Because of the line of work that I do in administration, it's very transferable to pretty much any industry. So it's pretty wide open for what type of organization I can look in. I've done pharma. So I I was searching for pharma. Um, I've done uh, finance. So I was looking at finance organizations. Some law firms. I looked at some law firms as well. So that's pretty much where the search was. But prior to looking externally outside of the university where I was working, I was looking internally. It was my hope to stay internally. But as I started building a network or utilizing my network base that I pretty much had built uh, since I've been there, and it was quite small. I was getting feedback about going into other departments within the university. And I just wasn't getting positive feedback. So it wasn't making me feel comfortable to stay within the university.
0: I want to ask you about being an executive assistant or in an administrative position. I want to ask, so in, in these roles, you're working pretty much right next to your boss all day, every day. Is that right? Is that all right? right. That's, how that how do you deal with that when you're working with somebody in such close proximity every single day? Do their issues rub off on you? Uh, and does their experience rub off on you? How, how did this affect your your day-to-day life or your job search
1: i think it gives me um great insight and the ability to be able to articulate with a reasonable sense of knowledge how businesses function and how they're run and even deeper than that working with them with projects you know alongside of them with projects from implementation all the way to Execution. It's challenging because I don't think that sometimes credit is given for the type of support that I provide. It's kind of like you're here to support me, um, but I'm not going to in turn return any uh, support to you. You're just a tool here. You're here to support, and thank you for all of the wonderful suggestions, things that you do. But however, you need to stay in your lane over here because you're just a you're just a support to me. A lot of times I would offer up great ideas that were implemented and the accolades go to the senior person. And there's no mention that they weren't, you know, the person that came up with the idea. And it kind of leaves you feeling like, you know, I am coming in here working really hard to really be an asset to you and the progress for your mission. and I'm then, once again, thrown over by the wayside until you need to use me again. And it's it, it it's kind of demeaning. At least you're feeling like you're not valued. You're really not valued.
0: Let's get into this. You said that you want to talk about employer insecurities as a hindrance to your position. Uh, what do yeah. you mean by that exactly?
1: What I mean by that is very much like what I just described. You can come up with a groundbreaking idea. They take it, put a little bit of a spin on it and claim it as theirs. And then try to shield you or or separate you or the fact that the idea even came from you with their bosses. So if you're in a organizational an organizational chart that you're looking at, You know, there's a there's a director and then there's an administrator and then there's you and you give this groundbreaking idea to the administrator. They tell the boss and it's like it came from them. It's never known that you were the person who came up with that great idea and they run with it. And then they become intimidated by you because now they're fearful that it will be known that they didn't come up with that idea. And the funny thing about it is they will then kind of bury you in the background, shielding you away to get any recognition for an idea that you came up with. And then turn around because they need another great idea and come right back to you. It's amazing. It
0: sounds like a lot of your problems come strictly just from the title. Like It sounds like you're complaining that people are complaining that you are, quote-unquote, just the assistant. These ideas can't come from you because you're – was that an issue while you were job searching? Did you have trouble translating this experience and the perspective that you had picked up from working alongside these C-suite executives? Or did you run into positions where people kind of assumed you were still just an assistant there, just an assistant at your last job? No, uh, how did no, how did I, you put, like translate that when you were doing interviews?
1: I think in the interview process, everybody puts their best foot forward and wants to have the employer believe that you are a viable candidate. You are capable. You you come in very savvy, very focused, and with wonderful ideas to just immediately come in and contribute to the teen's progress. And I think that that's what any employer would be looking for. And any good employee would want to add that type of value to an organization going in. What then happens is they want a thinking individual in the interview to come in and be that wonderful employee. But once you get in there, they it's like they want you to think, but they don't want you to think. They want you to think for them so that they can take those new ideas and implement them. But they don't, you know, at the, and I would say at the management level, but they don't want it to be, they don't want you to be in the forefront or you to get any recognition for having done it, being in being the assistant role. It's like, we want the smartest and the best. We want them in here beside us, working with us every day to give us great ideas. And it's almost like literally in the, it, like once you're inside the organization, they're saying, well, yeah, that is your idea, but we're going to take it and we're going to run with it. And you need to deal with it because that's why we hired you. We were looking for candidates just like you. And so what that, what that translates and looks like on this end for me as an assistant is we're going to keep you right where you are and we're going to bleed you and all your wonderful ideas, and you're just going to sit there and deal with it. And so far as advancement, no, because you're not going to have my job. There's these situations you find yourself in, uh, challenging situations that are created, because I believe they they become intimidated to a point to make you feel like you really don't have that value. But you're adding a lot of value.
0: So let let me ask you this. This basic undervaluing of an assistant and placing you and keeping you from uh, advancement. Do you think that that's strictly based on title or are there other factors at work here? Is is there a gender, a race an age, a uh, formal education barrier?
1: I've experienced it all. I've seen, I've seen it from all different directions. I would say primarily I wouldn't say it was necessarily race as someone saying "I it's a competitive thing. I think it's, it's, I need new, I need someone new in here. So I'm interviewing them to come in here and I wanted to be the, the, the brightest and the best because I need new material. It's almost like I need new material. I don't have anymore. So I'm going to bring someone in here because I've got goals to meet. I've been tasked with something and I, I'm fresh out. I need someone else in here. I bring you in, and now I want your ideas.
0: It sounds like – have you ever heard the stories about like Peter Thiel or other billionaires literally injecting the blood of younger people into them to keep them healthy? To going, yes. Yeah. That's what, you, what you're describing sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what makes you hopeful about this new job?
1: I really, really this time in my interview process focused on culture. And what that looks like, not only to those that I was interviewing with, but the other employees. So I was able to engage with some of the people that weren't even involved in the interviewing process. Um, And literally um, sitting, I will tell you, the feel was entirely different. And I knew that there was something unique because as I sat in the lobby waiting for um, my first uh, interview, the first individual that I was going to be interviewing with, there was not one employee that either exited or entered the building without giving recognition to me that, in my presence. Typically, you're in a building and people are coming and going. They see you, but they don't see you. Each person literally made effort to turn and speak and, and recognize that I was there, I was not invisible. And I said, wow, these people are super friendly. And as I walked through the hallways and I was introduced to the environment, all of the people, you know how sometimes you walk into an environment and everybody is buried in their work. They know they see people walking through and they just don't turn ahead. Everybody was vigilant and attentive and looked up and spoke. That says something about what they're doing in that organization. I don't know if they're saying, look, we're having interviews today and everybody just be nice. But even if they're taking that much effort to just do that much, they are concerned about who they're recruiting, who they're bringing in, and the impression that they're making on the people that are are being interviewed. That's effort there. Most organizations don't even, you don't get that. And so that was the one thing that stood out, and then the people that I interviewed with were amazingly personable, which I think should be the case for an HR department. I've interviewed at places and they were so stale and flat, I'm like, "You know what? Can <laughs> you wake up the dead? I want to interview with a live person, not a robot. I could have, I could have sat in front of a computer and had better interactions than I've had with some people who've i I've, you know interviewed with everybody was vibrant and engaging they were asking professional questions and not overstepping the boundaries for an hr per, you know person uh personnel but they were asking and genuinely so i don't think that they were prompted to or if they you know had some type of script it came over very casual and natural and i felt a great sense of sincerity in the questions that they asked Personal and professional.
0: Tell people all the time that when you go in for an interview, you are evaluating the company just as much as they are evaluating you. And it sounds like you've got – you're living proof of this. I'm getting very excited for you, listening to you tell this story because – Just those little touches, very little things seem to make a huge difference towards creating a welcoming environment. And as we get to a point where there are more job seekers than there are jobs, employers are going to have to take notice of that stuff. Employers are going to have to start thinking of themselves as almost like an employment brand. Like, you have your other options. You could work at other places. Here are reasons to come and work here. So you just told me a very good interview story. Do you have a bad interview story or any like bad questions you've been asked that you just ran out of the room screaming?
1: I don't think I've had like really bad interviews. Like I said, they could have been a little more lively, a little more personable, more engaging, more interested, (laughs) you know, um, instead of being so robotic with their questions. I I will say there was some years ago, I interviewed for an organization. I said, I wanted to try to, you know, step out of the box a little bit and go into a different type of industry. And they were very loose. They were, the interview just, you know, they weren't organized. Um, It it was sort of like, you know, a comic strip or a little zoo that I walked into. There was just mayhem. They didn't know they didn't have the p- appropriate lineup. They were just snatching and grabbing people out of an office saying, come in here and, and interview this person. Are you available? Oh, Are you man. available now? You know, and it, it, it d- there was no organization to it. I think that had to be a, a less than pleasant experience because I'm thinking to myself, they don't even have it together here. Inevitably, I was thinking, no, I don't think this is going to work for me. They don't, they don't have it together.
0: What's something that you really like to talk about when you go into these interviews? What's uh, like the question you hope gets asked and story that you hope that you want to get to tell?
1: I I think how I can be a value to the organization. I think that I try to stay relevant with uh, issues. If there is an industry that I'm not familiar with that I'm going into, I always try to make it a point of trying to learn as much as I can prior to the interview. I think having, you know, being totally prepared, walking in is a great thing. Um, So trying to keep a great focus on what the organization does and what they're looking for in a candidate is the area in which I try to stay when I'm interviewing. And so it's not so much a story that I have that I always like to talk about when I go in, but that those are the areas that I try to focus on. And outside of those two things, because I think those are the most important to the organization, but what's more important to me is the people that I will be working with because the job is the job. You have your skill set, you know, the programs, you know, uh, you know, how to interact with individuals outside, you know, the proper protocol for how to deal with politely with the clients or the customers and the vendors, but who are these individuals that you have to... Stay in the office with for eight hours a day. I that's the part I like to know. You can stick me behind whatever computer, or piece of machinery, or desk, or whatever you want. I can do that all day long. But the interaction between those individuals that you have to work with what what is their persona like? Like you really want to meet them and try to get them to be as open as honest about how they interact with their coworkers. That's what my focus is.
0: Just listening to you speak, I'm I'm so happy that you're going into an HR-related field right now. Because that was what your your undergrad degree was in, correct? You studied human resource management, something along those lines. That's correct.
1: Communications and human resources.
0: Are you getting to use skills now that maybe you haven't gotten to stretch out in a while?
1: Yes, totally. And I'm excited about it. These are the areas that I think that I excel in. And I know I will excel in. I'm comfortable with it. It's 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 a genuine shift for me to move into this position and feel comfortable and and know that I'm going to do great at it.
0: Sherry, it's been a real pleasure like just listening to you. I'm so happy for you and that you're in this position. Last question. Uh for people who are listening to this right now, usually generally people who are looking for work or hope thinking about leaving their jobs, since you're as of this moment a success story. What advice do you have for anyone who's in a similar position that's listening to you right now?
1: Yeah, looking for a job is something that is very personal. I think you should take it personally. It shouldn't be just about the money and having to meet a means. And I know a lot of us out here were working oftentimes you know, living paycheck to paycheck. And we're thinking, oh, I've just got to take whatever, you know, I, I'll go on a million interviews and just accept whatever there is out there. My advice to you is to just get still, get quiet for a moment, take that time because it's worth it and set what your intention is. Set your goal, your personal goal for where you want to go career wise and be definitive about it when you go on an interview. And and when I what I mean by setting your intentions is if you want to be in a particular role, focus on that role. Focus on individuals who are in that role. Reach out to your network and and create a circle of people who will help support you in your shift in the direction that you want to go. So overall, just set that intention and hold that intention and be intentional when you go into the interview to maintain that. They, I think If you remain transparent in that way, the employers will see that. And I think that's the best way to move into a job that you will like and enjoy, have longevity in. And literally, they always say, you know, if you do something that you're passionate about, the job will show up and and you will excel in it. So just be intentional in going into your next interview.
0: Sherry Meeks Graham, normally this is the part where I say where someone can hire you, but uh, that's not necessary. You're moving on. Congratulations again on the job. Thanks again for being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this edition of Why Won't You Hire Me? If you like what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, review, do all that. You know the deal. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please send us an email at HireMePodcasts at gmail.com or get in touch with us on Twitter at Podcast. I'm Marty Schneider, and I promise that there will be less than a year before the next episode. Thanks for listening, whether you are new or returning, and we'll see you next time.